everyone. Welcome to HubShot's episode 284. In this episode, we talk about how to manage your contacts efficiently in HubSpot. So we're going to dive into managing contact hygiene, the hidden danger of churn, binding bound contacts uh, with mailbox full being one of them, unbouncing contacts manually, managing duplicate contacts, automating some of the notifications when contacts are bouncing, and also some validation services, plus much, much more. You're listening to the world's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, marketing, service, and operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm really well, and it's been an interesting week, and I'll talk about a personal item just a little bit later in the show. But yeah, really interesting topic, isn't it? Uh, managing contacts, this comes up quite often with uh, customers in just getting that hygiene going in the contact database. So we're going to chat about a couple of the ways we manage that, but also acknowledging that it's a, it's a big problem. There's no easy answer to this. And before we even get into how we start solving it, let's chat about what the actual problem is because... Often you'll see numbers thrown out in marketing studies and reports talking about churn rate and things like that. They throw out numbers like anything from 5 to 50% of your emails changing through the year. It doesn't really matter. I, I can't find any actual study that I, I think is credible, I have to say, Ian. All I know is that it can grow into being quite a problem. I think the more important thing to focus on is that it's a trend and it's a creeping trend. So even if you've only got a small percentage of churn per month over a year, that grows. It's kind of the reverse of compound interest in a way. It's kind of like compounds in its problems for your database. So what's the goal of today's show? It's actually to highlight that the outcome we're after is to have confidence in our contact data. And part of that is keeping the database clean and also touching our contacts regularly. I don't know if that's a great word to touch regularly, but interacting with them. Interaction. (laughs) Regularly. And I think interactions can happen in many different ways, Craig. Mm. So sometimes we often just think in a marketing perspective, it's just email, right? But really, if we think about HubSpot and a CRM, we're talking about interactions from calls to SMSs to emails to meetings face-to-face or virtually there are just so many ways, you know, even things like, oh, have they attended a training session on Zoom, which might be hosted on Zoom. So there are all these different touch points and really understanding how people are interacting, I think is a really key aspect. So I think it's not just one thing, but it has many facets to it. And if we understand that and we can track all those interactions, it will keep our data nice and clean. All right. Just before we get into it, I just wanted to um, make a, just on a personal note, I just thought I'd mention to our listeners, I'm not going to put all these details in the show notes, but my wife was in hospital uh, this week, started on Saturday night. We rushed her to emergency and she was actually in an isolation ward for a couple of days. Won't go into all the details. She's blogged about it. I've got a link to that in the show notes. You should read the blog. It's fantastic. It's a great read. But the reason I mentioned it is because during that time, which was very stressful, well, definitely for her, but also for me, much more for her, of course. I just wanted to thank you, Ian, because throughout this time you stepped up, you actually even took some of my client meetings for me. And I was just really, I was just really touched. And even my wife said, because she was saying, oh, no, you've got to run your business and things like that. And she's I was saying, look, Ian's just taking care of things for my business. So I just really want to say to you, you know, this friendship we've developed over the last seven or eight years 
from this podcast and now we're great friends and, you know, just the things that I'm so grateful for you in my life and for the way you step up and probably you don't realise how much of a, how big a thing that was for me. I just wanted to mention that publicly on the show. So thank you, Ian. Thank you, Craig. I am uh, truly honoured to hear that. All right, on to our quick shots of the week. So here are a few quick things that listeners would be interested in is date delays are now available in workflows. And this is really nice when we think about we're able to allow the delay until a particular date property or contact property has been updated. Or you might say you want to wait until a particular date because it's event-based. It's a great place to do it. So I think definitely think about using that. And the next thing that's really great Can I just is, uh, yeah, mention on. on that, Ian? I actually haven't used it yet. I think it's going to be really handy. We're going to have a whole show on this, I reckon, in the future because you know what this solves? Renewals. Correct. Everything to do about renewals with contacts, I think this is going to be big. So even though we've just made a, a quick shot of it in passing because we actually haven't used it ourselves yet, I think this is going to be big. That's right. I actually used it yesterday day before with a customer, oh, Craig, fantastic. because they were having an event that was happening at a particular time. So we actually used that um, to do that. So it was fantastic and a great use of that little new feature. It's the little things that matter, right? <laughs> And the next one is super admins can now opt into betas. Now, this is to where in your, if you're listening, it's in the top right-hand corner, you'll get your menu where, your, where it has your company name and your, your face usually. Log, uh, go down, it'll see product updates. Now, the, where these product updates, it allows you, it shows you what the product updates are. And what I like about it, it's, it's uh, tailored to what products you have, which is fantastic. The other thing is you can now opt into betas. So previously you might've heard us speak. We test betas. We do private betas for HubSpot. These are public betas. So if you are listening and you're looking for it, there's a new menu. And if you have to be a super admin, but you can start opting in and start testing some of this. So I love the idea that they have made this publicly available and giving people the option. And there's two options. When you're opting in, you can opt in for yourself or you can opt in for everybody in the account. So just be aware of that. But a really nice feature to have. Speaking of public betas, one of them that's available that you can enable, this is a beautiful new uh, action in Workflows, isn't it, Ian? Correct. It's to delete contacts, Greg. <laughs> and people might say, why would I want to do that? But surprisingly, there are occasions where you might want to do that. So let's give you a real life example. We often get spammed from people in other countries selling us services and we may not be interested in that. This is a great way where we can actually, without having to look and manually do some work, we can go in and automatically delete those contacts from the system using a workflow. All right, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. So let's talk about this, how to find bounce contacts. And remember, active lists are your friends. Now, like we'll keep saying, lists are building blocks when you're doing stuff in HubSpot. So making sure your lists are well-named and well-structured will help you a lot here. So what are we going to talk about here, Craig, is that you should be having a list that actually keeps a track of bounce contacts. And we've got an example here where in this particular bounce uh, list, we're looking at a hard bounce reason of other and unknown user. Generally, if you see unknown user, the person's left the organization. And so that will pick it up and then it'll take you know what to do next. At least you know how many there are. 
the next thing you might want to do is create an overall hard balanced list where it includes things like even spam and policy violations. That's a really good one to have as a separate list. But also uh, you can kind of, if we talk about the building blocks, put them all together and say, okay, show me all of the hard balanced users. So that's a really good thing. And then what I want to say is then we want to create, depending on the size of the list, workflows for internal notifications to contact owners, creating tasks for users to review contacts. That's a really key thing. Creating tasks against companies to review the company and reach out to stakeholders if needed, if, especially if we know when people are leaving. Later on in the show, you'll see there'll be more details in this. But the goal here is to get a good understanding of the size and how big a problem you have and what is required to keep the data clean. Yeah, and, and if I could just maybe do a quick summary of where we've got to. So we quite often, we're talking with clients and they're saying, well, you know, how do I work out which de- uh, contacts to delete? We've got all these contacts, uh, open rates are going down or click rates, you know, what's going on? Okay, let's get perspective on what your contacts, uh, you know, whether they're actually bouncing or not. So this is just one example, lists are your friend, but basically build lists of these particular areas. Have they bounced? Have they soft bounced? Have they unsubscribed? Of course, all of those things. Create lists for those. And we've got a few examples here in the show notes. And then you can build lists of lists. So you might have an overall list of all these other lists of people that, well, maybe they've bounced. And then what do you do with them? So then you've got a list. Uh, these lists, there might be thousands of contacts in your portal that meet these criteria. And so then at least, you know, oh, okay, we've got a pretty big problem here. We need to get to the bottom of what do we do about it? We've got these lists. Well, there's a couple of things. And that's, of course, what we're going to go through in the show. But you could actually automate some of these things. Oh, well, if the lists are only in the tens or hundreds, I think there's a good case for automating tasks or notifications to people. Go and check them out. If they're in the thousands, then using workflows to notify people or uh, you know um, creating tasks is, is just going to create noise. That's only going to annoy people. So create the list first so you've got perspective on the size of the issue. Then you can think about what's the next step. And so we'll move on and and look at some of the ways that we can then manage the contacts that meet these criteria. Now, Craig, as you were talking about that, it has reminded me that, like we said here, if it is a big problem, you don't want to be using workflows to trigger notifications to people that manage contacts. And I was actually thinking, if you've got your list created correctly, what you potentially can do is include that list into a view, a contact view, and then have the individuals just filter by them as the owners and work their way through the list. So just say, it's just one of those daily tasks. Okay, I'm going to attack five contacts today. I'm going to look at it and I'll just work through that list till that list becomes empty. So that's a really good way if you've got a lot of contacts and what you need to do. All right, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And we're going to talk about manually unbouncing mailbox full contacts. Yeah, so this is just another example of building a list based on criteria. In the earlier examples, we were looking at bounced uh, reason, you know, might be um, they've left the company. But what's if it's just that their mailbox is full? Well, that's one of the criteria you can use. And you've actually got an example here. Well, you can actually manually go into contacts and unbounce them. So that might be they weren't a hard bounce left the company. They were a hard bounce because their mailbox was full. That's actually a good reason to think, well, they're probably still around. I'll unbounce them so you can do that manually there. And uh, we've just got some examples of the kind of dialogue or little experience that it gives you, pops up, gets you to check a box and that. 
So that's quite handy. So there's just one way that the team might go through. And as you said, I quite like that idea. Just chip away at them, five, ten a day, just going through the list, checking them, and the team could be across it. All right. Now to managing duplicate contacts. And this is another common area. We're very thankful that HubSpot has a process for deduplicating records and not just companies, sorry, not just contacts, but also companies. And it's available both in a bulk process and an individual contact level. And that is in your, if you're in your contact view, you can actually click on the top right-hand side and say you want to view duplicate contacts. I just wanted to make a mention of this in the show notes. We've got how you can get into it where the process is pretty intuitive, so we won't go through that. But I did want to just talk about duplicates and whether it's actually you should try and avoid duplicates because in some cases there are typical examples. There's a typo. Someone's signed up twice and the second time there's a typo in their email that you often find they misspelled Gmail as something else. Okay, fix them and you just review them and you merge them so that the the proper email is the one that's the master and then the other just gets merged in. That's no, That's a bit of a no-brainer. And then sometimes they don't have an email address. They came in via Facebook Messenger, for example. That's what happens with us. And But, you know, they hadn't contact in. And so HubSpot helpfully manages that and says, oh, yeah, these are duplicates. Do you want to combine? Yes, we do. And there's plenty of cases like that and you can go through. But there's actually, I think, a case for not deduplicating in some cases. So let me give you one example. And this is not a best practice. It's It's just an opinion. It's not right or wrong. But we find actually often that people sign up with two different email addresses, maybe a personal address and a work address. And so common wisdom might be, oh, let's combine them into the work address. That's the one that's most beneficial. So we'll dedupe them, we'll merge them in. Okay, seems like common sense and probably is the best thing to do in most cases, especially if you're in B2B maybe. But I'm actually going to make the case that case by case we'll not do that. And here's the situation why. If they've signed up in two places and you want to get to them with your email, you've actually got now two channels where you can reach them via two different emails. And they might be more likely to read one more than the other. Their work stuff, they might be, oh, look, I'm too busy. That just goes into a folder. But if it's a personal one and you're sending them good content, maybe it's educational content or something, maybe they read it on their personal one. And so I think that's a case to keep them unmerged, keep them both. And they can always unsubscribe from one if they don't like, want to receive it there. So... Why am I saying this? Just because HubSpot says, look, these are duplicates, do you want to merge them? Doesn't necessarily mean you should think about it and uh, possibly case by case. Do you have an opinion on that, Ian? I think I'm unique in holding this position. I think most people disagree, but what's your thoughts? No, I would have said you should merge them, but listening to your deduction of what you would do, I think it's actually very valid that it is two points. And depending again on your product and your service that you're selling to somebody, it is definitely a valid place to be. And maybe you might even think about how do you link the two together so you know that they are together or that one's personal and one's. And and we've seen this with for builders, for example, they might actually come in and inquire when they're in the sales office, they might give one of their addresses, but because they're on their work address more often, they might actually start a communication with the salesperson with their work email address. And so we've seen this happen and we're like, oh, okay, there's two emails here, still the same person. In that case, they know, the person in sales knows, okay, if I'm doing email communication, I'm using their 
their work address. And then if there's anything else, then I use their personal. But they do work out of the one contact. Or if they're talking to two individuals, then they'll make sure that they've got the right mode of communication. But it is absolutely valid what you're saying. Yeah. And just another comment on personal email addresses. I know, especially in B2B, people are like, oh, we, we don't want Gmail addresses. We don't want personal email addresses. And if that's the case, well, we'll, we'll merge it into the, the work address and that's better. for the, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's good. But one area that doesn't get considered is, well, quite often if they're on Facebook, they've probably signed up to Facebook with a personal email address. And so then if you've got their personal email address as a separate contact, you can actually create audiences and the matching will match on their personal address. So if you want to do a retargeting audience and you're kind of controlling that audience sync up from HubSpot, then actually having their personal, their Gmail address or something in your in your portal and your database is possibly useful. I don't want to make too much of that, you know, big thing of that, but it's just another consideration. And so why am I mentioning this? Just because managing contacts isn't just, oh yeah, great, do this. Just think about it. Your mileage may vary and your particular circumstances worth thinking through. So Craig, I'm going to ask you a question and we haven't discussed this before, but if you had a contact that had a primary and a secondary email and you had a list and you were syncing that list into Facebook, do you think both those emails would sync or only the primary email would sync? Into- oh, that's a good point. I assumed it was just the primary, but that's a very good point because if the secondary is used, yeah, let's, let's check that out. All right. On to Hasbot's service feature of the week. And this is about using surveys to check customer interactions. So a really simple way to do this is, an example we've given is we send a customer satisfaction survey five days after somebody has interacted or filled out a form and have had an opportunity to interact with sales. So you'd say, why do we do five days? Kind of gives enough time, if it's even over a weekend, that people can respond, but also the person in sales can respond and there's some time to have some interaction before they get the survey. So it seems to have worked out a good little time gap of when we send those. So that's the first one. The next one is a quarterly or half yearly NPS survey. And this is a great way to gauge how people are feeling and to uncover new opportunities. And we've seen this with a few customers where when this goes out, we understand people are thinking, they go, oh, I really love the product and I actually want to buy another one. And what's really interesting, they've actually not even started the sales conversation, but the NPS survey has actually triggered them to start the sales conversation in the survey. And so you've got to think of how are these things triggering people and what does it feed you back? I mean, in the whole thing, you will always get some feedback that you need to attend with. But on the whole, if you keep a track and you're seeing improvement and you're actually doing things to make a difference to people... I think you'll actually find out that it works really well. And we've just put an example of one of those. This is uh, the Hubshots one that you guys would have got or you would get every so often, but it's well worth understanding and looking at the statistics. So we're looking at the email that w- when it goes out, how people are interacting with it and the difference it's making and what we can make better for listeners of the podcast. By the way, if you receive one of our surveys and you fill it out, thank you so much. I know only a small percentage of people actually fill these things out, but it means so much to us when we get those scores. You can't believe how it's the little things. You know how people get a dopamine rush from just being on social? I get such a bigger dopamine rush when someone uh, fills out one of our surveys and thank you in advance. All right. Now, one of our favorite things, HubSpot workflow feature of the week, Craig. And this is to do with creating tasks for contact owners 
and notifying them. So we've got an example here, especially this is a workflow for finding people who have come back with the unknown user. So they've left, we've essentially left the business. So in the example we've given is really simple. We've got that list that we created earlier. We're using that as an entry criteria, and then we're just creating a task. Now in the task notes, I have put some really detailed notes. And we did this because there could be multiple people in the business doing this or multiple owners. There might be new people that come on that get assigned contacts. So they need to know how to organize this. So I've been very prescriptive in showing you what and telling you what to do and what can be done. So I'll just give you a few things. The first thing we always say is search that contact in Google. So in the actions menu on the top left-hand side, you can say search in Google. We often look for people's LinkedIn because that is their, we can kind of see their work history. We understand have they moved or have they not even updated anything. So there's, a, there's even a bit of a process there about understanding what we do. If you cannot then find their new updated work details, you can use a tool like Lusher, for example, which will look at LinkedIn and see whether we can find the new address. Now, sometimes you might do another search. You might see a Zoom info or another service where it has their details. So you might want to do that and update the details. Then you want to decide whether you want to delete or keep the contact and what you want to do. Now, sometimes you might want to even reach out to them or connect with them on LinkedIn prior to sending them an email. Or if you've got their phone number, give them a call and say, hey, I understand that you moved. I'd love to keep in touch. Can I update your email? Or is the email that I've got because I know you've gone to Zen can I put this email and can I, can I stay in contact? So just be really specific and nice about it. And it works really well because we've tested this with a couple of our customers, but a great way to manage contact move. The next thing to do is to do with policy email bounces and that you can have another workflow that runs through that. And in this case that you're going to show you, it basically we have a template. So with a policy bounce, we want to send a one-to-one email. We don't want to send another marketing email we want to get someone or the contact owner to send this to them. So one of our customers will create a policy template email that people can utilize. So they create an email, use the template with some very specific instructions of, hey, you, we understand this is happening. We'd love you to get our emails. Here are the steps that you would need to take. Or if you need us to talk to whoever it is, you can send this on. So we've been quite prescriptive in you know, we understand that you could have updated your firewalls, your email filters, and this is happening. But it really gives a very professional way for people to go, oh, okay, I didn't realize this was happening. I can do something about it now. And that's also working really well. And then I've just got some email lists that I suggest users should create as entry criteria into the workflow. So hardbound contacts to do with policy, unknown user to do with they've actually left the company, and then you might want to do, and why I've got two hard bounced unknown users in this um, list uh, here, Craig. One, I actually said it was hard bounced users that were actually customers of theirs and ones that were not customers. So I'm really trying to understand because the customer one is the one I want to deal with first because they're really important because of the relationship and the next will be everybody else and hence the two different lists. But in the screenshot, it looks like it may be the same thing, but it's not. All right, on to our insight of the week. All right, so just quickly, and if you get the show notes, by the way, sign up at hubshots.com slash subscribe, and you can get these full detailed show notes in your inbox every week. 
I'm not going to go through the full piece, uh, but I do have a, a whole section where I talk about this what to do versus how to do it. And one of the things that we try to do in this show is get that right mix between the what, you know, what's possible, which is a bit theoretical in, in a way, versus on the how, which is very hands-on. So hopefully we get the balance right in each show. But what I wanted to highlight, I think the more important thing is what to do. As you come away from these episodes, it's like, what can I do? Oh, okay, great. I just want you to remember that. So that's what we say. And I just wanted to give you some examples of why I think this is important. Well, ask yourself this. Do you know how to access the prospects tool? How do you access it? Well, the answer is it doesn't matter because you can find it or Google it or whatever, right? But all you need to remember is, oh, you've got a prospects tool. I'll give you another example. Oh, lead rotation. I, I knew you could do this. How many years have I been using HubSpot then? Lead rotation. I was on a call the other day with a client. I said, oh, yeah, well, look, we'll just, we'll just do lead rotation. It's pretty easy. You'll assign it to a user. So then I got the set property action in a workflow. I was showing them. I was going, oh, hang on. How do you do the lead rotation? What's going on? Anyway, luckily Tara was on the, on the call and she politely reminded me that, oh, no, you use the rotate action. It's not the set property value. And in the screen shots in the show notes, you'll say, oh, okay. So I just got confused. What's my point? I've been using HubSpot for so many years and I got confused about it. It doesn't actually matter because I knew it was possible. And that's what I think I want listeners to take away. Or if you're watching the show, remember what's possible. You can always come back. And HubSpot's knowledge base itself is awesome. So you just Google anything. Just how do you do that? And the knowledge base will have it. So I think that's the main thing we want people to get away from the show. And the other reason I mention it is because we've been hiring and often when you're hiring, you're tempted to do tricky questions. And also if you do HubSpot certifications, it's like these tricky questions. And I'm a big believer in like, it doesn't matter. I can use Google to find the answer. All I've got to remember is what's possible. So when we're doing the technical interviews with candidates now, it's kind of like, okay, tell me about this. How would you approach this? as opposed to, oh, show me where you find this in HubSpot. Because in the heat of the moment and under pressure, you're like, oh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. I just want you to know that it's possible. So that's just a little takeaway, just an approach that you can take in your learning. I think that is so right, Craig. Like when you think about everything and the constant change, and that's not just in HubSpot. It could be on any tool. Like I think about Google Ads. I think about Facebook Ads. I think about all of these tools that we utilize. Things change, even SEO, things are changing every day. And it's us knowing what the possibility is because we can always find out how to do it, but we need to know what's possible. So that's a great insight of the week. All right, using tools, contact validation. So when we're talking about contact churn, we really, we want to make sure, and this comes up a lot if say we've had a few customers buy businesses and integrate contacts in. So they come and they want to load a whole bunch of contacts. And one of the key things, firstly, is making sure they're validated because we don't know when the last time these people were actually emailed. So that's one. Use a service like Neverbounce and that integrates with HubSpot. I know there are others. We use Neverbounce quite a lot. The second thing I want to highlight is making sure that you have a really clear process about what you intend on emailing them. So being really clear so they know that, you know, if if you purchase the business, we're really glad. So some context, we know who the previous owners are, we understand. And so one of the ones we sent recently for a customer's hours, the owners had retired and they ran a really great business. So they purchased it because they had the same values and they had great people. And so all this does, it helps us 
give you better service and wider service and a greater product range. So really things like that. And it was really interesting because I was talking to one of the salespeople who got all of those contacts and the responses they got back was like, oh, it was really interesting. She goes, I got heaps of responses back saying, oh, they're really happy, you know, that we sent the email. They're really happy that the owners actually sold to a good company and they're retiring. And so it was a really good experience and they were really happy to hear from these new people. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so crafting your message and thinking about what's it going to be like on the other side, because it could be scary as well. Like they might not like change. And just to have that feedback was really, really good. So be very intentional with what you write in that first email. I think that's a really good tip. I want to say that's an insight. We should write that up as an insight of the week for next week, Ian. I think that's really valuable. It's all, it's, you know, never mind the tool. It's the process. It's the approach that goes out. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Craig, hit us up with some quotes. (laughs) These are two beauties that you, you found. Uh, You always pick great quotes. I love this first one. Always remember that you are absolutely unique, just like everybody else. (laughs) <laughs> Margaret, that was fantastic. Uh, actually, you know, that reminds me of a, a, a statistics joke, which is you're probably not an outlier. Anyway, if you yeah. find that funny. Here's the other one you had. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. Involve me and I learn. So, yeah, from Benjamin Franklin. I think that's another one. One of the reasons we do internal training uh, here at Zen, and I know you do the same, Ian, at in uh, your business, um, we get each of the staff to um, run training and the main benefit they get is that they have to learn how to teach it. That's how you learn something from teaching. I often wonder with this podcast, we've often said that one of the main benefits we get is we have to prepare it. We get to know the product well. It's almost like we get, we get more value out of it than our listeners at times, I feel. So there you go. That's right. And I want to encourage listeners, if you are listening to this, is to actually do that and, and I wanted to say thank you to Craig because he has included us, our team, in his training. And I have seen the benefits and I have seen it. I, a, it helps people grow. It helps you have a better understanding. But also, you don't realize the impact you have on other people actually learning from what you have tried out as you're teaching them. So, well worth doing with your teams. And this is a great segue onto the training of the week, which is from HubSpot Academy, and it's creating a contact management strategy. So we encourage you all to do that if you would like to learn more and be better at it. All right. So do you need help with your HubSpot portal? We have a HubSpot Quick Check, and this Quick Check service has been popular with companies who are looking to quickly review their HubSpot portal and understand the parts of HubSpot that they're using and not using the best practices, the key parts. So we look at workflows, forms, landing pages, and more. Are there ways that I'm not using HubSpot that I need to address? Like as a team, just ignoring certain things. Are my processes efficient? So again, we want to help you guys understand what's working and what's efficient. Another really interesting one is my renewal is coming up and am I getting good value out of HubSpot? Do I need to downgrade? Do I need to upgrade? Can you guys help me do that? It's a 90-minute Zoom or Teams call with you or your team. And we start by getting a quick brief, understanding where you are with HubSpot. And then we guide you through a 50-point checklist of your portal on that call. So you actually get something actionable straight during the call that you can take away and any improvements that you can make. So it's not like we go away and we evaluate and we come back. 
you actually get it on the call with Craig and myself and pricing is available on the site. So if you feel that it's going to help you, by all means, please book yourself in for a quick check session. Quick tip on that, which you touched on, because we've done a number of these now, we actually find if you have a number of your team on the call, they work better than just one individual just because we cover a lot and the team gets to ask questions and it's a very kind of uh, collaborative process. So we found it really good. Fantastic. Well, listeners, thank you again for listening. Thank you for connecting with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for signing up for the show notes. And if you've got questions, you can reply to the show notes and Craig will actually reply to you. Uh, it really does make our day. And we do hope that you are winning with HubSpot. Well, till next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.